I'm a narrow cat, no wide flows. African descent, that's why I got the wide nose. With my kinky hair and black skin, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And that's in the image of a god that is beautiful. And whose infinite word is immutable. Now, hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the HBCU podcast. You know how we do here. We are reaching our highest potential. I want to remind everyone listening that you can find the HBCU podcast on the Dive Media platform. And you can listen to us on all your favorite um, podcast listening platforms. Um, it's been a little bit of time since we've been in the place. So we're going to have a bit of an interesting show tonight. Um, this is Akima. You can follow me on all social media platforms at Princess Akima. Peace and love, family. This is Mikhail Halim. And you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, excuse me, and Instagram at Mikhail Halim Wellness. And no, that's that's it. You can find me at Macau Halloween Wellness on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Well, I don't know about you all, but Macau just said Twitter. And if I'm not mistaken, since our last recording, I don't know if you were uh, tweeting. So um, welcome to Twitterverse. I don't know if that's what they call it, but I just made that up. Possibly, possibly didn't make it up, um, but welcome. Um, they, they didn't get you on a TikTok yet? You know, the way my previous <laughs> anti-millennial life is set up <laughs> you know i just I, you know akeem i just can't and i'm this isn't me saying anything negative about certain platforms uh, you know because we well, all here you go y'all here you go <laughs> it's just so overwhelming and i just you have you know because each platform has a vibe you know so interesting that we're going to go into talking about business because mm-hmm. you know you have to get with the culture of the community with each platform that you choose to engage. And, um, and then that's not to say that I'm not going to get on TikTok or Clubhouse or anything like that. Um, I just like to know what the platform is about. I like to know how, how to access, um, I don't want to say customers or anything like that, but you know, I don't know if they call them followers on TikTok and things like that, but just the communication dynamic. Yeah, you got to be ready to get live in full effect. I am on TikTok, so you all please come find me. But truth be told, I go on TikTok just to make a video, just to carry it over to my other platforms. It's so funny. I TikTok all the time, but I don't get caught up looking at TikTok because I've heard people say um, how they get um, just lost in TikTok. And so it's interesting that we, like you, like you said, that we're talking about TikTok, talking about social media and how we're going to talk about business tonight. Because as business owners, we really don't have time. Um, we don't have time to be looking at videos on TikTok. Um, shout out to y'all who do. I, I ain't got a kind of time. Um, and ho- shout out to my social media manager who manages both my Instagram, my Facebook business page, as well as my LinkedIn account. Because without his help, I um, I don't know. I, I probably wouldn't have a social media uh present. So shout out to this gentleman who's been doing that for almost two years. But we wanted to take some time on today's episode to talk about business. And we're going to definitely tie it back into HBCU. You know, our premise here is healing brown communities unconditionally. And part of healing our communities has to include or be inclusive of our businesses, our money. Really, this is a way for us to build generationally because we're building wealth, we're building legacy. And so McCall and I are both business owners. So we decided that tonight we were just going to take some time to talk about our respective businesses and to um, just kind of show how we are hoping to add to the healing in our communities related to these matters. Um, McCall, I'm going to actually go ahead and let you start first. Can you talk about 
your business, um, what what you do? What is the Macau Halim Wellness? Macau Halim Wellness, um, and it was intentionally, I named it intentionally after myself. I, and I, I was motivated to do so behind um, the work of Dr. Francis Kress Welsing, who wrote a book years ago called the ISIS Papers. Now, I'm not about to go into the detail of the ISIS Papers, but one of the first things I noticed was that she had actually, um, I guess she produced the book. I don't know if I'm using the correct terminology with that, but she had her own uh, publishing company that was CW Publishing. And I just remember reading the book and it, it encouraged me to read further because I knew that she hadn't actually invested in herself and, and her family and whatever was going to happen with that book and whatever has happened, which, you know, all kind of miraculous things have happened with that book. But to know that she was the, the owner and that her actual name was on that business. So that motivated me to put my business on my name so that they can carry and um, people will know that it's directly tied to me and my family. Mm -hmm. um, now, the wellness component is, is pretty self-explanatory. Um, now, I'm not going to shoot down any other Black-owned businesses or the things that um, we have decided, people decide to sell and to market and all those kind of things. However, I do believe that there's an oversaturation of products that do or cause more harm and destruction to our people. And um, unfortunately, again, that's not me trying to step on anyone's toes. I believe that there's a lot of education in the services and products that we would like to see um, a black owned business district, so to speak, um, service. And I wanted to add, and I wanted to make sure if I was gonna leave a footprint within the black owned business network, that it was going to be products that were going to bring actual healing um, to our, our community. And so I'm real heavy on innovation. And as I've learned to take care of myself going through my own wellness journey, I wanted to, I want my business to reflect my growth as well. And so you will always see my products and uh, Kima and I, we talk offline, you know, we just don't jump on here um, <laughs> randomly. You know, we actually collaborate before we, we get on here. Um, but one of the things that I always tell her is that, you know, growth and she and I, we always talk growth is, is a critical component to black owned business. Um, there are a lot of things that we don't know. There are a lot of things that we're learning about ourselves, about how to run business and so, uh, so on. So, um, I want my business to reflect the growth and I wanted to pretty much add a component that was just going to give us some tools, give us some products that are tangible, that we can look up uh, and get us started. You know, a lot of people just don't know where to get started with health and wellness. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to add some tangible um, consumer-friendly products to the market that uh, people can just pick up and start to investigate that will catapult them. And, you know, sometimes they say that certain um, drugs are gateways to other drugs. And I believe that we can almost build a wellness gateway network as well. So hopefully my business can contribute to um, the advancement of our people in that capacity. Um, well, of course, you know, you said so many amazing things. And I'm going to introduce my business here in a moment. But I um, I love the idea of keeping it easy. You said gateway. Gateways are easy. It's like, well, which way do I go? Well, when you open up a gate, that's how you get into the yard or that's how you exit the yard, like through this pathway. Um, there is so much information out there and there's so many things being hurled at people. And so the, when you can keep something easy, and I've learned that 
Um, if you keep things easy for your customers and for your clients, then they are more likely to not only patronize you, so you're growing as a business, but they're also able to actually um, get what it is that they need. So it kind of works for both sides. Something else that I wanted to touch on, and because I've heard both sides of it, which was you having your name on your business, right? We had I've heard people say, oh yeah, I want my name on my business because I want people to know it's me. And then I hear people say things like, oh, well, no, you know, places like Bank of America, you don't know who owns Bank of America. It's some mysterious person up in the sky. And I'm like, well, you know, and as I go into my business, my name is all over my business. And so I have been of the belief too, that not only is that part of my legacy that I'm leaving, but it holds a certain standard that when you hear my name um, in rooms, when you see that, oh, this person's name is on this, you already have an expectation of the delivery and the quality and because your business is an extension of who you are. And I think you can do that even when you don't have your name on it. But that's one of the reasons why I absolutely love that your name is a part of your business. Because we say that all the time, you know, when you think about buildings named after people or um, statues or things like that, people who have gone on, who have transitioned, their name still lingered. And so, you know, my hope is that your brand continues to outlive you and becomes a part of a legacy for your children and, you know, other folks that are in your um in your family with that and it's one of the reasons why McCall and I do this podcast together because we definitely intersect on this component of wellness for you all who don't know and hopefully um a good portion of you do know that I run a holistic health practice under the name of Princess Akima Holistic Care and the short description of that practice is I really want to help people avoid disease as much as possible and and when people have found themselves in a place where disease has manifested in the body, hopefully helping to introduce things to their bodies that will help the body to heal itself. Um, I'm a big believer that the body's been designed to heal. And when we bring certain things to this terrain, the body will um, accelerate that process. It will it'll do a better job with healing itself because now it has tools that it can utilize to perform the thing that it's naturally been designed to do. I do that through means of both services as well as products. Um, I will say my practice is definitely more service-based because I spend a lot of time educating people. Many of us, you know, as we've been growing up in our communities um, and really in the survival mode that people, um, you know, quote unquote, people of color, you know, that we've had to be in, we haven't really had lots of space and opportunity to to learn because you just all you're learning to do is survive. I got to eat. I got to live. We just hustling until death. And so now that we have an opportunity where I I wouldn't say that we aren't still in survival mode, but it's definitely not the full-on survival mode that I'll say that our um, ancestors had to deal with and had to go through. And now as we're learning to build more, I think we have to um, be very strategic and we have to understand how things work and function so that we can actually build in that fashion. So with my, um, with my practice, a little bit about my why, is that I started this practice as an unfortunate result of my own mother's um, transition from here. And so let me just be really clear. Anyone who's heard my testimony knows this, but if this is your first time hearing it, um, just go ahead and buckle in. My mother passed away at this point almost 13 years ago, and she was only 56. And for me, I think that's young. Um, as someone who was like creeping and I see 40 around the corner, um, 56 is super young to me, but um, she went through a lot of things with her liver. 
um, lots of liver um, malfunctioning, liver disease, um, cirrhosis of the liver. And let me be really clear with you all that that is not only for people who are dealing with alcoholism, because my mother didn't deal with that. She wasn't drinking alcohol. She was working as a single mother. She was hustling really hard and she didn't have an opportunity to really care and take care of herself in the way that she needed to. And her body took the toll on that. And so a lot of people who are here and we record our podcast locally in the DMV, that's the DC, Maryland, Virginia area. There are certain hospital institutions. Uh, I'm just going to try my best not to say any um, specific names, but there are certain institutions that are in the DMV that are known for like, oh, well, don't send your mother to such and such. Don't let your people go up to so-and-so because they kill us there. Well, the, the hospital where she transitioned would be one of those institutions. And I have no problems talking offline. If you're listening to this and you're curious, just hit me up on one of these social media platforms. And so, you know, my mother transitioned in a, in a really sad state of affairs. And though wasn't her time, wasn't her time. I don't get my mind get caught up on that. I have taken her transition as a way to be a better steward over my own health. And I do my part now to help families to avoid what we went through and the hurt and pain and the transition. So we all know we have to transition, but the fashion and the condition in which we will do that does not always have to be from this disease that overtakes us and like we're, you know, we're literally suffering unto death, opposed to having a transition where we can just transition from this state. And we've, you know, read about that and we've seen that. So I believe that to be true. So for anyone listening to this, or if you're, if it's not you, if it's someone that you know, I'd say, hey, you would want to reach out to me. You'd want to come over to my site if you're trying to figure out tools, techniques, and ways on how to be a better steward over your health and how to um, really eradicate disease in the body. Um, with all that said, and I think that goes into like my why and part of the contribution that I make, you know, Mikhail, what about for you? What what contribution, like you've created this beautiful gateway with Mikhail Halim Wellness, you know, for people to access things. You're very accessible. Um, as someone who actually wholesales things from you, I find it very easy to work with you just as a business um, venture and partner. But for your clients, you know, and what contribution do you feel like you've been making? I really enjoy the relationship building component of having a black owned business. And there's always an inquisition when I'm making a transaction um, because my product, one, as I said before, we do not have um, an influx or a large capacity of health and wellness services that are specifically and acutely directed towards our people. So I'm always encountered with people who are inspired and they inquire. You know, if I could kind of throw those two together, um, because they are one inspired to see some kind of change. And they're, they're not necessarily looking at me and they see the colors, the red, black and green and my, you know, and my logo or anything. And then they're just like, oh, let me talk to him. Um, but there's something I believe universal going on right now, Kima, that is pulling us into more of a collective consciousness when it comes to taking care of ourselves. And so what I mean by that, you all, is that when people will see me or when they'll see that I have a product that, one, looks different, and I'm not selling anything crazy. I sell body butters. Um, I sell sea moss. I've got elderberry syrup, a lot of stuff that um, rejuvenates the skin. 
um, with alkaline oils and things of that nature. Um, I go to Akima often for information on essential oils and things of that nature. But a lot of those products are, you know, they're literally built into the fabric of healing people. So um, people will ask questions. And I love to tap into that, uh, again, using the word consciousness, I'd love to tap into their thinking to see one, what motivated them um, or what has inspired them to even engage, you know, a conversation about wellness. So it's not, it's not even always like money involved. Um, you know, I'm not always walking away from a conversation with a sale. That's not why I'm in it. If I can just, again, using that word gateway, if I can take the inspiration that the customer comes to me with, if I can just add information that leads to a different perspective or a manifestation of, uh, of understanding of, of what kind of services um, that people need to, to help heal themselves. And, you know, even if I love being a reference, I love, love, love being a reference. There are people who I send and I, you know, I can gas a chemo up all day, every day, um, because this is what we do. And we, we channel back and forth clients and, you know, there's, there's certain things that she feels that my services provide, you know, she'll send them my way and vice versa. Um, but all of those things are components of relationship building. And I get to know people in my community. I get to know some of the ailments that we're dealing with because innovation is another large part of this uh, component. So there are things I'm always looking to do better. And, um, you know, uh, even if, we can talk about investing. Um, all of these things kind of run concurrently because even as an investor in Black-owned businesses, I'm looking for Black-owned businesses that are growing and that show components of growth and they care, you know, about what their clients are saying about the products and the services and things of that nature. But in order, going back to my original point, you all, um, in order for any of that to take place, we have to start engaging in, in communication and constructive conversation with one another. And so um, I would probably say that that is definitely my, it, it keeps me in the game. It keeps me in the game. Um, Akeem has told you all on, on other shows, I am a school teacher. I teach high school uh, physics, environmental science, biology, and chemistry. Um, so I'm, I'm always used to talking to people. And I love talking to our people and educating our people about how to do things better. And, um, you know, so now... I guess we will segue into things that we have learned. We have learned. And I want you all to know, I look to Akima as a mentor because her business um, started, she started her business several years before I even contemplated going into the, the black owned business sector. And um, so Akima, if you could just run through, I guess some bullet points I guess off the top of your head of things that you have learned while you have been in this holistic wellness uh, business. Boy, you know, there's tons of things that I've learned, but the first thing that came to mind that I'll share before I started working for myself, I actually worked for three different small business owners. I used to manage a restaurant and that restaurant, even though it made a lot of money, it was one of two locations. So it was still considered a small business. I used to help manage a yoga studio. And at the time the owner had two studios and she later opened up several more. And then I used to manage a Pilates studio. And I learned different things from each one of those different owners. But the woman who managed the Pilates studio and her name is Lisa, so I'll just give kudos to her. 
one day Lisa was taking out the trash and now mind you none no one else in the studio would take out the trash I would take out the trash she would take out the trash and I looked at her one day and said why are you taking out the trash and she says you know one of the ways you can tell who the owner is is they're taking out the trash and it tickled me so much and at that point I had no like there was nothing on my mind thinking that I'm going to be an entrepreneur and I'm going to be taking out the trash one day but what there was a bunch of things in that statement she wasn't sitting around waiting for someone else to do the thing that needed to be done and she was humble enough to do what needed to be done because it was more than just like oh the trash these are tissues or things that people are discarding it was a part of the image of the space people come in if the trash is full it makes a, it, it left an impression and so she was pulling out the trash because she knew that from her words her exchange the sessions she was running down to that trash emptied it was a part of her brand and her image and so I can say that has stuck with me and so you know if you come in to my space you know I'm vacuuming and wiping and I am running appointments as a practitioner because I do all the things in my space things that I've learned I mean it's funny and I and I know it's funny Makai said you could gas me up and I think about all that like 2020 was and COVID and all those things and one thing that Makai taught me last year um, was not to be a one-trick pony um, what does that mean for you all who are entrepreneurs don't get pigeonholed or held I should say don't get pigeonholed into anything um, if you're doing something and you have the capacity to do something else with a level of excellence then feel free to do that. Now, don't just be out here trying to be like, oh, multiple streams of income, because that's just like the hip thing to say, because I see people trying to do multiple things and they're not doing it with a good representation. But if you can do things at a level of excellence, because that's also about representation in our community is like showing up something on time and the quality of the product and how do you handle when there's a customer complaint, you know, you're about ready to fight and cuss someone out in the streets, you know, um, I've never cursed one of my clients, just anybody listening, I've never cussed anybody. <laughs> um, oh, never cussed out a client, I should say, right? <laughs> um things of that nature, like be open to learning new things, being willing to pivot, you know, I see people start businesses, and it's like, oh, well, that one thing isn't taking off, and so um, what, you know, what else um, can I do to make this one thing work, and the whole time, it's like, well, be willing to do something different, be willing to deviate, be willing to pivot, is something else that I can say that I've learned, and specific to my industry, and this will be my last one that I think I'll share, is I speak to the person that is in front of me. So, you know, you guys who want to get into this wellness space and you want to get into this health space and help people with their health, um, you got to give them a different experience than what they're getting at the traditional, um, oh God, here, Makai, I don't have a good word. So they, they need a different experience than what they're getting at their um, physical, right? They need some different answers. They need, like, talk to the person that is there. Don't get caught in the like, oh, well, this does this, so you need that. Like, what one person might need differs from what another person needs. You know, when clients come to see me for the first time, and if you're listening to this and you know what I'm getting ready to say, I never give protocols the same day someone is in my space. Never. 
when someone comes in, they may see something for sale that's like a body care product or whatever. Sure, you can grab that. But when it comes time to writing up protocols and figuring out what we're going to need to support your health and healing, I always ask people to give me a day or two so I can sit with that thing. And what is that thing? I've just learned all this stuff about this individual that is unique to who they are. I have to be mindful about my intentions. I can't be trying to produce a factory. And so I would encourage anyone who was looking to get into the space that I work in and like with um, individuals with their health and wellness, like be open to the individual experience with each individual that you're dealing with and not just doing this factory thing because you're trying to make some more money. So the quicker I can get someone in, give them that, get them in, give them that, give them in, give them that. It's not going to create a different experience and it's really not going to help out our community. It's not going to bring the health and healing that's going to be um, of longevity. And I just wanted to touch on that one trick pony thing and add, um, you know, economically, if I can add an economic component, um, I engaged that one trick pony thought or framework, so to speak, if I can invent a framework right here. Um, because we just haven't had a lot of control over the things going on around us politically. So I want to just tie that together. Um, and what I mean is employment, employment. Here in the United States of America, we just don't get jobs the way that other communities, uh, you know, jobs are just, it's seemingly made readily available. And I'm not saying that every other community, there's no one struggling within those other communities. Um, but just historically, you know, we just, we're always at the bottom of the totem pole when it comes to maintaining long-term sustainable employment. And so when I say don't be a one-trick pony, what Akima said is absolutely imperative. Number one, I do not encourage anyone to do something outside of their gift or their capacity of function as a person, because you really want to make your money doing what you do best. And, you know, we all have gifts. And I do believe as a school teacher, you know, I just see there are multiple gifts. There's so many things that we understand that we can do and that we can stretch ourselves to achieve. Now, tying that back into economics, I just believe it came that it's a safety net. It's just an additional safety net in the event. Perfect example. We are, sheesh, like, when can I say we're coming out of a pandemic? Like, can I even say that yet? Like, it's <laughs> it just seems, but perfect example, perfect example um, we just don't know what's going on. Look at what happened, you know, a year ago, everyone was at work a year later, you know, we're having all these conversations over the internet and, and through screens and those things. And a lot of people lost work. And, you know, whenever the country collectively loses work, you can guarantee that black people are going to be significantly affected by job loss. And so just having a safety net um, cultivating your gifts, because I feel like we can do both of those things at the same time. And um, we want to start to be able to plan and plan ahead for our financial future. And, you know, this plays into wellness. It came, just think about how many, and I can use myself as an example, how many nights that you've waken up at two o'clock in the morning because you had to check your bank account or you had to see if the direct deposit hit at midnight because there's something weighing on your mind, your body, and your spirit going into stress levels that are hiking your blood pressure through the roof. And you're wondering why there are so many frequent breaks 
and your sleep pattern and all those kind of things. But a lot of these things are economic and it's, and we could solve this, Akima. This is what the part of the wellness of our podcast is about. These aren't things that we can just sit back and look at and just, woe is me. No, we can actually form think tanks and collectively come together. And just like we're discussing, not being a one-trick pony, we can uplift each other. And we as a community can build multiple networks, multiple services. And that is how a community is developed. But that is going to also provide us with the big S word. We don't, like Akima said, we're not cussing on here, but the S word that we use in wellness is security. We are building security through but wellness. I know what he was going to already say, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Y'all are safe here. Y'all are safe here. Um, but we're going to challenge and we're going we're gonna to push the envelope on certain topics, not to the point where we're going to make people uncomfortable. Um, but we have got to structure security for ourselves so that we can sleep at night, so that we can know that bills are going to be paid, so that we can know that in the event, in the event, the things that we don't want to think about, what if my job literally shifted overnight? And, you know, we've all, we know people who have been quote unquote laid off for this reason or that reason. Um, you know, the relationships with our women, our women have to talk within a certain tone you know, or else these things are going to just hang over top of us. As a man, I have to make sure that I'm standing a certain way or that I'm presenting myself in a certain capacity in meetings. A little less threatening, please. Absolutely. <laughs> and it's just like, well, Macau, how do you alleviate all those things as a black business owner? Look, let me build some security within my own network that I have control over in the event that all of my income sources, the pipelines just run out or somebody just takes it away from me. And I don't have to panic. I don't have to flinch because I have not, I'm sorry, because I have decided to use multiple or develop multiple streams of income. I think one of the ways, honestly, that we do that, and it's one of the points that we wanted to make sure that we touched on in today's episode is definitely with circulating our dollars. I mean, everyone loves saying that, like, oh, we got to circulate the black dollar. But I, I had a client come in the other day who she intentionally came to me because I advertised on a black beltway listserv that's here in the DMV. And she just happened to see my business on there and she took a chance and it was amazing. And then she proceeded to tell me how her niece had challenged her to buy black only, not buy black first, buy black only. And if you can't find black, do you need it? I was like, huh. <laughs> <laughs> Amos Wilson just entered the chat, everybody. Amos, okay, Dr. welcome, welcome. And so I'm sitting back, of course, as a Black-owned business, I'm, I, I'm always honored. And, I, and let me just be clear, I have clients who come into my office who aren't Black because wellness is not limited to um, Africans and I can educate others who are not. But when people who look like me and sound like me are intentional with their resources towards me, considering that they could have gone elsewhere or just not spent any money because, you know, we don't have all this generational wealth, I am beyond honored to be able to partner with and to serve people. But that whole concept, this is how we can help build security. And that's not just patronizing, you know, Princess Akima Holistic Care or Macau Halim Wellness. It's really about circulating your dollars, like making that extra effort. So, oh, well, I don't know a Black-owned business that does this or does that. I'm going to challenge you to say, well, have you looked? Have you checked with your neighbor? Have you checked out, you know, different groups? Have you, you know, are you networking enough? 
you know the things that you want. So someone like me, we want skincare. We need food. Hello, hello to E. I'm sorry. I love food and services. I love to be serviced. And so for me, I know the Black-owned businesses that I patronize to provide those things to me. So think about the things that you love and really begin to circulate your dollars in that way, not going out of your way or pulling from a savings or pulling from a bill, but things that you would already put your money towards. This is an opportunity to really to perpetuate that, um, that concept. There's one um, additional point McCall and I are going to touch on before we wrap up today's episode. We wanted to talk a little bit about the, can we say legality of starting and running a business? Because, you know, friends, we understand that some business, oh, I will say most businesses are going to start in the living room, in the corner of the bedroom. For me, it started in the dining room. Um, it's interesting. I still have the first desk that my husband purchased for me to see clients virtually. I didn't have office space like I do now. And I didn't have, you know, like all the products that I sell, just me and a hope and a dream. And we got rid of our dining room furniture. We put up a desk, a desk lamp. He put up two shelves and it was the start of Princess Akima Holistic Care. And I have a picture. So when it pops up in some sort of Facebook memories, you all will see it. But I'm so grateful for those small beginnings. But I also know that as I began to grow as a business, it became important for me to become recognized by the state, making sure that I had all the credentials and the licensure that I needed in order to um, run my business, um, insurance that I'm carrying to keep myself and my clients you know, safe. And so for me, people ask me, well, is it necessary? Do I have to, must I? And I'm like, well, I think so. You know, I think that you don't have to have it to start. But as Mikhail says, as you're showing maturity in how you are handling the affairs of your business, there are certain things that you're going to want to put in place. And even as, you know, we sit here, you all, I am now officially, you know, you kind of have an official start date with your business where you get the idea at, at your dining room table that you're going to do this. But then you have a second birth date of your business that I am, this is what I'm going through now, you all, because I, I can kind of tell people in theory that my business started a year ago, but when was all of this documented and, you know, legally within the state that I'm functioning and selling products and services, those things matter. And, you know, it's intimidating and it's very intimidating. So I'm being very transparent in saying that. And um, again, we're going to gas the came up some more before we get off of here real quick. But that's what I, I utilize. I utilize those think tanks. And I utilize, Akeem was a part of my think tank of, of my Black-owned business network um, because there's certain legalities that I know that she's already gone through. And as my dad, my father has a saying, you know, if you want to know what to expect on your way to a destination, you know, find someone who's on their way back, who's already been there and ask them, and just ask them. You all, if we can just ask each other questions, there's nothing embarrassing. Okay, Akeem, I'm sorry. I'm getting on my black man's soapbox right now. Brothers, listening to this podcast, we have got to put this pride aside, and it's going to help to heal our relationship with black women. They are light years ahead of us, fellas, light years. And this is through history, um, just because of the, the nature of how employment and resources have been, you know, a lot of us have been incarcerated. We're not going into all that, 
but the women have had to hold down the family and networks in the community and, and circulate money in our absence. So please, 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 please. And I'm not just saying just go ask black women or this, that, and other, but no, ask whoever, fellas, um, because this is something I've had to learn through myself. It is okay to say that you don't know. And as a man to say that, you know, I need help doing something so I can help provide for my community moving forward. That's powerful. And I think my um, Mikhail will take that as your takeaway for tonight. And I, when someone comes to ask you a question, be willing to answer the question. Um, I, just stop being selfish. You know, I don't want there to be this persona of the crabs in the barrel. I don't want to hear that kind of, um, I just don't want to hear that. I just don't want that to be a part of our testimony and our story anymore. What I want is to be a people that we're building one another up, we're taking care of each other, we're answering the questions. And I think that will lend itself to the degree of transparency that Mikhail just offered, which is, I need help, but then there has to be the response to then offer the help that is being solicited. So with that, um, we're grateful for each one of you all who are listening to this podcast, who are supporting our individual businesses apart from this podcast. And I want to say that I'm proud of each one of you all who are taking a stance to support your um, health and wellness, because whether you recognize it or not, you are directly benefiting the healing for brown communities unconditionally by taking care of and Culture, the same God that made this variety at Babel, not lives inside of me.